not wishing to heap too much else on your plate, but uh, really just shuffling, shuffling stuff around. And uh, if you have things you feel that are really working where you're at, then you stay with that. But sometimes it helps just to shake it around, knock it another way. And uh, awareness, I talk a little bit about awareness and how that's associated with breathing and samadhi and liberation. Oh, that's good. Mm. So, awareness is one of those uh, attractive terms. But it, depending on who's who's saying it or where it's coming from, it generally refers to one of two things. And the problem can be that we don't, you know, we think it's referring to one thing, it's referring to the other thing. It doesn't uh, really appear much in the suttas, except there are two ways in which we understand it. One is the quality of um, mindfulness and full awareness, something associated with mindfulness, uh, the ability to bear something in mind. Um, then one is attentive, one is aware. And that awareness is very much something you can place on an object. And its its function is clarity, clear, clear seeing. It's cool and clear. The other way it can be seen is referring to citta. Um, or the, we could say the interior of the mind consciousness. So the mind consciousness takes particular objects, that's its external things, such as thoughts, particular things it can focus on, as an interior quality, which is a sense of I am. <coughs> I am the subject, the subjective, subject experience of mind, jitta or mind consciousness, jitta, that also can be called awareness. And its quality is is feeling, feeling sensitivity, um, and it can feel expanded or contracted. It can feel bright, it can feel oppressed, um, it can feel, you know, so it, it, it can move in these, it can experience these things. And so sometimes that also is referred to as awareness. Now when we cultivate mindfulness of breathing or mindfulness of anything, when we bring our mindfulness and awareness onto an object, a knowable object, Mindfulness is the frame, awareness is the receptivity. Mindfulness is the fingers, awareness is the palm. So you frame up and then you can receive this uh, through sampajanya, full awareness. <coughs> and that, that uh, 
can be there as it, in the Satipatthana Sutta it says one has the awareness even to the extent to know I'm not being very mindful so mindfulness is not present one is still going to be aware of that so this Sampajanya faculty uh, full awareness is uh, is not it can even be I'm really losing it you know so um, you know it, it, mindfulness directs and frames up and this full awareness is the clarity that arises within that and you can even sense I'm not framing this up very well so that's Sampajanya and that that naturally attunes to the um, the quality of citta so the two kinds of awareness naturally the two references naturally tend to come together or refer to each other one is clearly aware of feeling agitated you know, one is clearly aware of feeling uh, expansive or contracted or elated or depressed and yet one is clearly aware of that that's, that's enormously powerful isn't it really the meaning of that means I can be fully aware that I'm feeling confused how come <laughs> if you're that confused how to come you know it you can't be that confused Of course, the snag is that that often, through, because that that sampajana is really like a, coming from a cognitive position, tends to interpret things in that way. I am confused. I don't know. But actually, it's the wrong interpretation. You're not experiencing not knowing. What you're experiencing is mental movement. You're experiencing something that's not about cognition, but about feeling. And often we translate feeling experiences into cognitive experiences so the sense of confusion means I can't get a clear focus yeah and that's the way it seems from the cognitive point of view I can't see this if you go to the emotive point of view it's not confusion you're experiencing it's agitation there's trembling there's clouding there's something directly felt yeah so Often, this uh, these two need to be really put together and un- understood. You know, what the chitta is really saying on the felt sense of it. You know, because you can be interpreting it as, "Oh, this is such a. I find this quite a. Str- you know, there's a lot to do. A lot to do. Cognitive sense." What you're really experiencing is uh, pressure, you know, on a felt level, pressure, constricted. So once you get to the, what's really happening, uh, what's needed there, let's just breathe out. Mm. Suddenly I'm not so busy anymore. The, you know, So if we really can apply uh, that cognitive faculty and get closer to the to the heart, the heart, the awareness is the heart, then we get directly to 
to the real point behind the rather complex cognitive interpretations of what we're experiencing. Mm. And it becomes rather simple. <coughs> One is experiencing, you know, uh, you know we may interpret things in complex ways, such as, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't really understand what's going on. Directly you're experiencing something else which could be uh, inertia or dullness or oppression, something of that nature. You get the feeling of it. So you try to go to the felt senses of things, you're going to get much more accurate reference for release. So then cognitive awareness, Sampajanya, has to really learn from the chitta what it's really saying what's really happening. Bring in, so we bring in these faculties of mind together, the cognitive faculty, the emotive faculty aspect of mind, the effective faculty and the defining faculty. Mm-hmm. And this bringing together is called unification, and that's what samadhi means, to unify, to bring together. They bring together because actually they want to be together. Uh, you know, if they can really listen to each other. <laughs> Sounds like one of those soap operas, doesn't it? <laughs> you understand what it's saying uh, and listen. Then they naturally they, they bond because we want to be clear, we want to feel comfortable and peaceful. And yet we're often cognitively interpreting things that are really being expressed in a rather different language. You know, so you, what is it? So you, now, using mindfulness of breathing, now there are different ways and means in which one can be mindful of breathing in and breathing out, and I touched into three strands the other day, such as the, we say, the, the flesh, the muscular, experience what happens in the physicality of the body to op- as the bre- breathing operates you know the pressures the the, the expanding the subsiding uh, what happens in the abdomen and so forth and then the air breath the brushing of the air on the nostrils or down on the throat and then the the energy that gets the breathing going or kaya sankara the energy that that operates all this, that causes those muscles to contract and operate, to draw breath in. And those are three strands. And sometimes the, en- the energy strand is ru- it can be a bit subtle, can't quite you know, get it. Uh, whereas the other sensations, muscular sensation is quite strong, uh, comparatively strong. And then the touching of the air gives one a, a nice clear point to to tune into, to get to one point. Um, so any of those can have their advantages or disadvantages for um, tracking or staying with breathing. Sometimes, you know, the, the sharp pointed focus, although it's, it's nice and clear, 
the mind can't get on it. It's too. It's like trying to, you know, turn a ta- turn a taxi on a dime. It's too small. You got a mind that's kind of like a big hippo, and it won't sit on that point. It's too big, <laughs> too clodding. You know, so it just clumps around, and he gets fed up and frustrated. He's trying to do this thing. <laughs> the wild elephant. <laughs> And you can feel it in the, the flexing of the, t- of the tissues, which is a little coarser, stronger, perhaps, abdominal, chest. Try to get, if you're doing that, get, trying to get the fullness of it and operate your body so you're pulling your back in, so you're not putting pressure on your diaphragm. Let the diaphragm be free. Try to feel the ex- not just what we imagine, you know, breathing in, breathing out. You might really imagine, you know, going up and down. Actually, the movement is quite circular. Your belly moves forward, your chest moves widthways as well. So you're trying to get the fullness of that, expansive. So you can really take in all the qualities of that. And then that has a pleasant effect because it also, you get this, the much stronger sense of what, of the feeling that the, the resonance of inspiration and expiration, the brightening effect, because everything expands and brightens up, and then the relaxing effect when you breathe out. So that also has its uh, advantages. Disadvantages, you calm down, that, that, uh, that, that process subsides, so it becomes rather more difficult to stay with it because just the, the dynamics, the physicality of the breathing begins to fade out. You know, your breath becomes so quiet that you can't doesn't feel like the body doesn't move very much. And you don't get that very strong breath. So then also the energy breath. Now I, my sense is that whichever, whatever you come through, you're eventually going to come to this place where you feel the qualities of piti and sukha. Piti particularly is associated with the energy. It's a bright energy. And you may come to it through one of these other doors, or you can start with that. Yeah, start with the sense of the energy that gets the breathing going, and that will be particularly most evident at the end of the in breath and the end of the out breath, because then the end of the in breath, obviously that the physicality has subsided. You finish breathing in, and there's no more air passing into your nostrils, but there is a sense of something hovering you know, like a lightness, a hovering. And then that changes as you breathe out and you come to the end of the out-breath again. The movement of the air stops, the movement of the tissues stop. And you feel something pulling, starting to pull through, through, the, through the, the belly. Now that, you really acknowledge something quite involuntary is happening and doing this thing. And that, that is... One of the great advantages of, of it is you can want to sit back and let it happen because you really get the feeling, I'm not breathing, it's doing it. Mm. Whereas with the others, particularly the nostrils, you, up in that dangerous region above the shoulders where all the, you know, so much complication occurs. <laughs> <laughs> you go anywhere above your shoulders, it's going to get more fraught, I think. <laughs> So you're trying to, you get the sense of trying to hold on to the bread and you screw up 
tighten your, fo- your forehead, you're trying to get in, breathing in. So that can be, um, you know, very much I am doing mindfulness of breathing. I am here, I am trying to do it, getting it going. And that has kinds of uh, unfortunate consequences to it. So really, generally over over time, my my, my recommendation of working with my, my experience is I just like to sit back actually and let it let it let it happen and even to pre- preparing myself just prepare to sit in the body and f- not breathe you know or just not bother about it just get comfortable in the body get the right attitude towards the body feel the wholeness of the body settle in there till it, and then see if you can if anything comes my way if a breath comes my way so be it if it doesn't that's okay too. I'm happy. I'm okay here. You know, just a little bit more step back, and then. So I'm definitely not going to be doing any breathing. I, I've tried that for years. It's driven me nuts. <laughs> so uh, my mind now refuses to do that anymore. But it, it's quite happy just to sit back and. You receive breathing if, if that's what happens, and it does happen. It's been happening quite regularly <laughs> the last 64 years, as far as. <laughs> so you don't have to wait long before one comes along. <laughs> and you're just sensing it, and the, the feeling, just the kind of rippling resonance of that, and the tingly qualities of it, and the effectiveness. So you're coming much more into the effective sense in the body. Yeah. So in order to get to the effective sense, you have to loosen up the active sense. Yeah. The active sense I'm doing. I'm getting. Yeah. That that's the active sense. The effective sense is just I'm not doing anything. Things are happening to me. So feeling nice and steady and comfortable in the body, and then effective the effective sense in the body. Now that's what resonates with the effective sense of the mind the two effective senses. Body is an effective sense, the mind is an effective sense. The body has an active sense and the mind has an active go out and do it sense. Mm. Now you want to come into the, so those two effective senses will then line up. As we sense the effective sense of the body experiencing breathing, you know, then you come into the chitta, experiencing what it's like just to allow oneself to be breathed. That is, that is quite a big step for a very active mind to go into receptive rather than constructive, constructive, constructive. So just doing that is quite a big step actually. And we can feel not doing enough, the mind swings around, gets very unsaid, doesn't know how to do it. It's always doesn't know how to just rest. It's like, um, it's, you know, trying to find a new way of balancing. Mm-hmm. But what that position does is it opens up the karmic field of the, of the citta, its tendencies, its... Uh, 
memories, its perceptions, its shadows, its ghosts, its beauties, its strange mysteries, its spaces, its lost places, its its wonders, you know, which are there in the in the field of the affective sense, how we've been affected, how we've been touched, how we've been moved, how we've been gladdened, how we've been saddened. That's all there in the affective sense. So this is why that coming into the affective sense of the chitta is such a powerful and revealing and awakening experience. And by bonding it to the affective sense of the body, you're giving it a sense of something safe and steady and natural and don't have to do much, doesn't have to be, and you keep brushing away the cognitive things such as right, wrong, good, bad, progress, failure, success, keep brushing away those cognitive interpretation feelings are not a feeling is never a success or a failure feeling doesn't doesn't operate in that way does it yeah so just just really coming into how it's being felt it's never useless or useful that's cognitive Hmm. what is underneath those what really is underneath those some of those cognitive wrappings you know Good, bad. It means feeling unsteady, you know, feeling something flat or stale, feeling something bright, feeling too big, feeling not enough. <laughs> you know, they're, they're definite mysterious felt senses because they don't make sense, but they're felt. Now, with breathing, you're constantly, you know, letting those those, you know, effective mental senses run, if you like, or unfold, but all the time you're just running this this thread through them. You're not lost, you're not out there, you're not, you know, you're here we are, here we are, here we are, just constantly training it, like grooming the tangles, by just just by breathing through it. And then by being mindful of and aware of all that, we have this also this uh, covering or this container of clarity. Yeah. We don't have to interpret what's going on in cognitive terms, good, bad, right, wrong, so forth. But we use the, the wonderful gift of clarity just to know, oh, this is mind. Mm. You know, as we're looking in that uh, Satipatthana refrain, knows the constricted mind. Oh, this is the constricted mind. The exalted mind. Oh, this is the exalted mind. The liberated mind. Oh, this is the liberated mind. Knows the mind with hate. Oh, this is the mind with hate. Yeah doesn't say, 
oh, this is the mind with hate. What should you do about it? You messed it up. You shouldn't be doing this feeling. You should be having the exalted mind instead. There's exalted mind. Great, I'm exalted. I'm really getting there. Now, the cur- yeah, it's going to get in like I must be in like half, or perhaps I'm not. Maybe I'm being just too up. Just, just, just exalted mind is exalted mind. <laughs> feeling aware, open to that. And then, as we see, all those differentiations, and then it comes to the point where then, all there is mindfulness and full awareness, the extent to know this is mind. Now, you know, you could see that as, as well, you haven't got much clarity. All you can say is this is mind. Now, this is, this is, this is the pinnacle to get that, that clear that, you know, this is this. Instead of writing names all over it. It's just this. Instead of any of it, really, this is just this. So we're coming to an undifferentiated awareness, an undifferentiated holding of the of our effective sense and the, that trajectory means that the quality of cognitive clarity instead of going interpretation is just that sense of clear open receptivity that the effective sense picks that up your heart picks up the quality of cool clear clarity and it begins to feel cool down ease up because the full awareness as comprehension and the citta as they come together they affect each other and we were using while we're deliberately training in that is that you want to listen to to the citta in its own terms but at the same time you maintain that core spacious awareness this is this this is this this is this it's just this it's just this don't interpret it yeah. In, in cognitive terms feel it but at the same time we're applying something that is not creating more out of it and the mind will then experiences that coolness that calm and is affected by that it's affected by that coolness and spaciousness and you don't really do anything more than keep bringing those two together and it's like stuff just steams off until the mind stops the the effective sense stops something to be be affected by (laughs) apart from coolness so it just becomes cool and open the objects, the creation of objects ceases. So, and then we, you know, the Buddha talks about a consciousness that is not supported, that does not generate objects. It's not resting, as I was saying, mind wants to rest on something, wants to take a ride on something, wants to be affected by something, wants to be 
going up or down. The, the mind does, I, whether I want to or not, the mind definitely does. Bond onto sights and sounds and thoughts and moods and impressions and memories and so forth. It, it takes an object. Now, when the, the effective sense is taking mindfulness and full awareness as an object, what happens? Well, objects deconstruct. So you have an objectless awareness. There's no suffering in that. But it is bringing the two together. So I've I've said things, you know, like include it wide and soft and include it all. So you kind of opening into into the field of the effective mind where the karma is, where the results are and the activities are. You're opening into that. And so in a way you're kind of opening up the cupboard, taking the lid off gently, carefully. And including it all is, yeah, you know, in time. So how much is all? (laughs) Well, it's what's happening in the present, really. And you keep remembering it's just another moment, you know, whether it's the feeling of, oh, there's so much to do, or, you know, nothing much going on. That's just the moment. You include the felt sense of that, not the cognitive interpretation, but the felt sense of so much or not enough and what is it as a felt sense pressure activity trembling you know something hungry pulling in you know wanting something that's feeling not enough you know what does it feel like and then breathing through. So the calming and then the clear awareness of that. Now we can establish mindfulness on other objects and uh, which could be easier. Say mantra visual object or interiors you know such as sound of silence which is the interior quality of hearing it's listening to the hearing faculty there's a lovely cool spaciousness about that doesn't have a lot of feeling in it And these can be really helpful places just to rest up. But eventually you want to come through through any of this back into the body because it's this is where you're resolving karma, karmic field, the feeling of felt experience. And it's really completing that. And you just find your time, how you want to strategize that. how much you want to feel you can open to so you've got various ways in which you can come to more you know agreeable or objects and metta bhavana and so on when you're just enjoying those experiences
But you know, one of the things about uh, uh, spiritual practices and Dharma practices and awareness trainings is, uh, you know, one can have some pretty deep, wonderful experiences and really, you know, stopping and timelessness and spaciousness and, you know, things seem to cease and everything, wow, it's really great. And these, some of these things happen spontaneously, you know. So I saw some account the other day of a, a woman who was just putting her shoes on to go out for a date and had any training at all. Just as she did this, this kind of bong, something spontaneously opened. She completely zapped out into some transformed, condition, unconditioned state. You know, I thought, I never tried that one. <laughs> <laughs> Put your shoes on to go out for a date. I think maybe I'm past it by now. But, uh, you know, these things can happen. <laughs> but does that mean you've, and that, I'm not, you know, that could be quite valid as an opening? Does that mean you've finished your business? Now, I don't think so, necessarily. I don't know this person and not much to meet. Does mean you finish? Not necessarily. Yeah, because I, I liken it to say you know you're you're in a in a prison cell, and then there's a kind of like a brick drops out of the wall, and you can see you look through that. Wow! You look out, you see open space instead of this brick wall. I'm free. I'm free, because as far as your eyes go, they're free. You haven't got this brick wall in front of you. It's free. Gee, you know, that was easy, wasn't it? Because bricks do fall out of the wall occasionally. And you look through and you see this open space and you feel free. But you're not free. Because <laughs> you can't move around, can you? you know? So sometimes when you go on these retreats, you get that glimpse. You go out and get in your car, you're pretty cool for about half an hour, and then you go home and you have a row. <laughs> Over... <laughs> Who puts the cat out, or forgetting to cancel the milk, or something or the other when you went away? You know, so what happened to that? You know, because you weren't able to walk around in it. You know, it's like the person, or maybe you, you know, you knock a hole in the wall big enough to stick your head out, and you wave your head and you think, "Ah, oh, great, I'm free, I'm free. Look, look at that, move around." But you're still not free just because you knocked a hole in the wall big enough to stick your head out, because <laughs> you can't move around in it. Only your head can. You're only free when you <laughs> knock the hole down so you can walk, stand, <laughs> move around, and you still feel free. And what does that? The body does that, doesn't it? As you, you know, it's uh, touching the deathless is one's body, so that you know all of that effective sense of the the body and all those energies that it has are also accessed and you know, yeah, this too has been understood hmm. you know I say this because uh, you know it's also the case that people do have quite I think quite valid realizations and then you know Get completely unbalanced in terms of their this their morality or uh, 
or they, they, they t- become something they appropriate or, or even kind of have a breakdown because they can't integrate it into, into their life. Now, if you're taking this into your body, it it's, it's, can be quite a long haul and there's quite some sticky stuff to move through. But I feel that the Buddha taught this for a good reason, you know. Very thorough cleaning out of all of that, all of that potential to be affected, where the threat experience is right there in your body, isn't it? The threat experience, the fight, the flight, the faint, you know, the acquisition, all those energies are there. So we're coming to those threads in the nervous system, however faint they may seem, you know, the contractions or the flurrying or the overwhelm, breathing in, breathing out. This is just the effective sense being affected. Notice the sense also, just the beauty of being able to frame it. This is mind, this is affected, this is how it feels. It feels like this, even though the feeling isn't always agreeable, to be able to know a feeling as a feeling is very clarifying, very steadying. The proliferation stop. This is how we cultivate. So I hope some of this is useful and not obstructive and uh, continue your practice today and we'll meet this evening.